0: Playoff Devin Booker, he's here. The Suns have home court advantage, back and control of the series on today's episode of Locked On Suns. What went right in game three and what has to keep getting better? Talk about it all. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and host of the Just Basketball Show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Friday, celebrating a Game 3 win by the Phoenix Suns. Yes, we are celebrating. That's what happens after a win here on the show, even if there were some warts, some ugly stuff along the way. We'll talk about it, though. If you're finding us for the first time, hit follow, hit subscribe. Get this show in your feed every single day. Stay locked on to your favorite team. Make us your first listen every single day. You can also follow along on Twitter where we have the seven second, seven word or less game takes um, here on the show where you can give me your input on things. We have at FC f case 18 can someone match booker's intensity we have at etopia zero it's a w and we have at rising suns one has to be a big four i do not disagree and we'll get into that uh in more depth in the second segment rising suns but that is a great place on days like this to interact have some fun give your thoughts be part of this community Uh, of Suns fans. Let's go. 129-124, to the Phoenix Suns winning the game, and we're going to do our our moment of the game as we always do to start the show. We're going to go to a Kevin Durant dunk in the third quarter, about 4 minutes and 55 seconds left in that third quarter. Kevin Durant, transition dunk, put the Suns up 13 points. Now, you might be thinking, well, the score, the lead not stay at 13, so why are you picking that moment? But I'll tell you why. Um, one is for what it meant for Kevin Durant, all right? He had a weird game. Six turnovers, only five assists, and another game in which he only took 15 shot attempts. In this case, though, it wasn't for a lack of trying in a lot of ways, right? The, the ball was in Durant's hands really... From the jump, Durant and Booker both. Instead of starting the game with a bunch of Chris Paul, DeAndre, and pick and roll stuff like they have, the Suns have the first couple of games, what they were able to go ahead and do in this one is... If you're on YouTube, you just saw me take those off. Um, I, I don't know why they were on. I don't have a guest. I was recording a different podcast before that. So they started the game with Paul, Aiton, pick and rolls. In the first two games, And this one they didn't. They had Durant and Booker handling the ball from the jump, and he turned the ball over. He just he was running pick and rolls, Durant was. He was uh, the overdone iso at the elbow that they've tried at the beginning of every single game, and I think Russ has deflected it in every single game. Um, but look, that meant opportunities for Durant that he did not take advantage of. That kind of continued. Um, I wouldn't say Durant was was bad in this game, but largely um, inconsistent and not himself. That shot, he actually even started the third quarter with what was almost his sixth turnover, and then he ended up getting it later. That shot, that dunk, ended up getting him back into a rhythm, and what he did with that rhythm is just as interesting, right? So after that, it felt like he had a little bit more confidence, a little bit more wind in his sails. The, 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 uh, the Clippers make a run with Russell Westbrook scoring the ball pretty well. This was definitely a game of runs, and I'll get to it later as we go, but I do just want to like put this out there to start, that as much as I understand that the Clippers making this close without Kawhi Leonard without Paul George was crazy, I do feel like you have to give a tip of the cap to Westbrook and Powell in specific. They were making incredibly difficult shots, So that happened in this moment, Westbrook makes a run, the Suns answer with um, a bunch of Durant, Aiton pick and roll. Now a couple of of these possessions had already started by the time the dunk happens, but it continued afterward and you could see that level of confidence and and instead of Durant just taking over and saying, I'm going to start shooting, he really made a concerted effort to get Aiton's confidence going as well the attention that he's always going to get when he has the ball in his hands because he wasn't as clumsy with it because he was starting to get his groove he was able to run those get the ball to Ayton, and make some good things happen um, Aiton got I think four free throws in the third quarter all uh, both opportunities coming off of feeds from Durant he got at least one layup or dunk in there as well and Again, the Suns did not keep their 13-point lead, but it did feel like that was a little bit of a turning point in the game. They later on in the the fourth quarter finally went a couple of times to the pin-down screens for Durant coming off of that to make some shots. And so I just felt like that moment was emblematic. It was the biggest lead the Suns had in the game. It got Durant back on track. It allowed him to then make others better around him. And uh, that's necessary because of the next guy that we have to talk about. Now, as much as, again... That's my, that is my moment of the game, but as much as I like to stick to one thing in this first segment, I have to talk about Devin Booker. I don't know what moment I would pick, which is why I went with the Durant one, because it felt like that was, again, as a team, that felt right. But Booker was absolutely killer. He was just, he was just dominant. He was flat out the best player on the court. This was another game where he had the tough shot making, of course. He had a bunch of great reads offensively where he was able to attack when the Clippers went small and had no rim protector. He dominated uh, by going into the paint and trying to get layups. He had two or three or four and one finishes in this game. He had an inbounds play where he flared out all the way to the corner when he did not need to and nailed a three with very little time left on the clock over the hands, over the contest. Of Russell Westbrook. Um, all of these things, right? I think you could pick from as far as a moment of the game. I would probably pick one of the and ones, um, but maybe the one that happened when the Clippers did go small because at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the Clippers were in a frenzy with their small lineup. Um, I don't remember who was technically the biggest guy on the court, but this was a tiny lineup. They were rotating. Incredibly well, getting contests, and the Suns were just trying to beat it with their normal ball movement. They actually were getting some decent looks. And this was, I believe, the stretch where Durant had that three off the backboard and all this different stuff, right? And Booker noticed that small ball stuff, noticed that the Suns' offense was getting bogged down a little bit. They were trying to use a Kogi as a screener. On and on. Didn't work. Booker takes the ball two straight times. Gets to the basket, as I said. One of them was an and one. And they were tough, man. Like, even though it's small, even though there's no rim protector, he's getting bodied when he drives. And he was able to still, with both hands, against the backboard, not against the backboard, whatever the case was, finish. Time and again, 6 of 7 from the free throw line in this game. He was 15 of 22 from two-point range, which is absurd, almost 75% from inside the arc that's just impossible to stop and so I have to give it up to him 45 minutes played I tweeted during the game I would love to hear the conversation between Monty and Booker in any of the past couple of games when when and if Monty asked him to sit down at any point it does not feel like that's what he's wanting to do he had zero turnovers and then of course defensively Three steals and two blocks. He continues to play very solid defense on Russell Westbrook. And I guess what I'll close with on the Booker note defensively is exactly that. Because I know you're hearing me. I'm coming in happy. I'm coming in positive. This was a win. You're probably feeling a little down if if my seven words or less game take comments and replies are any evidence of this. There's a little bit of negativity that it shouldn't have gotten this close, but what I will put to you is this. If you looked at Booker's performance tonight, you look at his box score with five stocks, and you feel like he was magnificent on that end of the floor like he has been throughout the series, I would agree with you. But if you feel that way, I will remind you that he was the primary defender on Russell Westbrook for a lot of this game. Russ had 30 points, shot worse than 50% from the field, had six turnovers, all that stuff, but both of those things cannot fully be true, which is that you think Westbrook should not have been able to keep this game close, but that you also think Booker was transcendent defensively. I personally do not feel like the defense on Powell and Westbrook was my biggest concern in this game. I'll tell you what my biggest concern was after the break. First, today's show, guys, though, brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week in specific is brought to you. By the all-new All-Electric 2023 Nissan Aria, and I just talked about the man, and he's going to be the award winner here as well. Devin Booker has been fantastic. Um, no Kawhi Leonard in this game, and maybe even if Kawhi did play, Booker would have the honors of being the best guy on this entire court. But there was a power and sort of a, a fierceness with which he played tonight and in game two that I think deserves to be shout out and really puts him in line with What this award is all about. He was brilliantly fierce tonight. He's stunningly powerful. The drive and finish game, which is not always something he commits to or does effectively, was right there. Those seven free throw attempts, the 15 of 22 from the uh, inside the arc. You do not get that stuff unless you are aggressive and powerful and fierce as the 2022, 2023. Nissan Aria is the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is the EV the electric vehicle for people who love to drive shop now at NissanUSA.com coming back here 129-124 Suns win talked about Booker talked about Durant in that last segment let's hit on the other two best players on this team and I'll meet you with the negativity here, all right? I will, because talked about the moment of the game. Segment two is always my main takeaway of the game, and it is going to be a downer, and it's okay. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean I don't think they'll win this series or still have a chance to win the championship. All that's very much still true, and I do still feel that way. But my takeaway from this game is that Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton are not close to where they need to be for that championship run to be a possibility. It sounds overly simple to do that. I don't always like to be. If you listen to the show, if you are an everyday or you do not hear me, be incredibly takey like that very often. But at a certain point, you just have to size it up in the hole. We've seen three games now, and just be realistic, be honest, be be genuine, be be, be uh, face the facts, right? And that's what they are right now. You could obviously uh, criticize, mock, laugh, whatever, at the fact that these guys both missed, had 0-for-2 had trips to the free throw line in the last couple minutes of this game. They were a combined 9-of-27 from, fr- from the field. Obviously, Paul being particularly egregious there. Five combined turnovers. It, it's a few things to me. And it honestly is none of those things. It's not the box score. I think the fact that you saw Durant and Booker have to handle the ball from the jump is not actually a good thing, all things considered. It's the smart thing to do. I will give Monty Williams and the players credit for, for going to it because it is what's working. But that should not be the case. And if you've been listening, again, if you're in every day or hearing my recaps, my previews of all these games as I'm processing it in real time with you, I've kind of gone back and forth. I've battled with myself a little bit with with regard to Chris Paul because after game one, people were frustrated that he had the ball in his hands so much late in the game. And I came away, talked to Brandon Duenas on Monday's show, and I said he needs to have the ball in his hands more, especially in the first half. Now, I I don't think it necessarily should always be the case that he has the ball in his hands to end games if he doesn't have a good rhythm going and if that mid-range jumper is not going in because that's kind of the bread and butter that everything else needs to flow out of. But he definitely needed to have the ball in his hands in the first half. Game two, he was great, right? Because late in the game, he again had the ball, but he made a bunch of shots. You know, two or three mid-range jumpers to really end the game and ice the win. So that's a a positive. Tonight, there was not a lot of positive overall going on from Chris in the game. um, Really at all. I, I would say the biggest positive from him is he took the the threes that were there for him. They just didn't go in. You know, I think we would be talking about this differently. Let's say he was four of eight from three. Well, then all of a sudden you're talking about eight of 18 from the field. You're talking about 20 plus points. And that really can be the difference between how we analyze this stuff is he took the shots that were there. They just didn't go in and now it looks ugly when it would have looked nice otherwise. But bigger picture than that the reason that i say he needs to have the ball is so many of the other issues that this team is having flow off of that right i even think i'll talk about it in a second but it's hard to separate these two guys because as much as you would say chris is struggling and deandre is struggling they really are a tandem offensively right Ayton gets chris paul open for the mid-range jumper when that mid-range jumper starts to go in, that creates the need for the defense to give attention to that, and then typically the lob, the drop pass on the roll becomes open. When Chris was at his best for two years there, the past two seasons, that was enough to f- fuel an entire offense almost by itself, and then Booker played off of that, and that was how they made it work. It's the, it's a little different now because Paul's not himself, and so That's the other thing, right? The three-point shooters, they're not generating a lot of threes, although they did more tonight because Paul took the catch-and-shoots that were there, and Booker was aggressive, taking more himself. But 27 is still not, you know, where you necessarily want to be. The Clippers got 35 up because Powell and others were, were aggressive taking those shots. And so that becomes part of the problem with Paul. He's not going to give you much of anything defensively at this point in his career, right? They're going to have to hide him. He's not going to be somebody who you trust against Powell, against Westbrook, definitely not against Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or anybody like that. So it has to be coming on offense. The offense has to start with the mid-range jumper and the catch-and-shoot threes and the playmaking. None of those three things happen tonight, and they don't have a better option. Maybe if campaign comes back and is is killer, you could think about reducing Paul's minutes, reducing his responsibility, but right now that's where they are. Aiton is different. I will start with the positive. DeAndre Ayton got five offensive rebounds tonight, and that was much needed. He was also aggressive, trying to go up and finish. In the moments when he did catch the ball on the roll with momentum, he got to the line eight times. I think those are both things where he's playing with his physicality, playing with his size advantage, and all the rest. Almost everything else was a negative tonight. The Clippers uh, got got into the paint at will, in a lot of moments in this game. They had 58 points in the paint compared to just 54 for the Suns, although that's a pretty high number for the Suns, all things considered. I guess another positive for Aiton would be that he did not foul as much. He was in foul trouble in game two. That was not the case tonight. But four of nine from the field did not make his mid-range jumper. I continue to believe that a catch-and-shoot mid-range jumper In 2023 is not a good shot, even if it's DeAndre Ayton. I don't think anybody should be taking that shot in the NBA in 2023, unless your name is Joel Embiid. That might be it. That might be the end of the list. It's not a good shot, um, even if it's going in, because eventually it's going to not go in. Like, Ayton is a very good shooter from that spot. He's not elite enough where there's a reason the defense is giving you that, Right. If the if the defense is dropping into the paint, it's a better shot if it's Chris Paul taking a mid-range jumper because he's still better at it than Ayton is. It's better if it's a pull-up jumper from Booker or Durant for sure. It's better if those guys get downhill and maybe kick it out to a three-point shooter who's maybe open in the corner. All those are better options. The mid-range jumper is not a great shot to begin with, and in this case, Ayton did not make a lot of them. He also turned the ball over or bobbled the ball frequently in the first half, could not keep his hands on it. And I think he started this game one of five from the field. So he did close three of four. Again, a lot of that coming from the Durant chemistry that he's building and the emphasis that Durant clearly had on getting his confidence back and, and involving him and all the rest. Um, There was a moment at the beginning of the third quarter where Powell made a pull up three and Booker, you could very clearly see Booker getting frustrated that um, Aiton did not step up and get a hand in Powell's face, considering he was already hot at that point. I believe he had 25 points in the first half alone, and that was like one of the first plays in the second half. You would imagine there was probably a conversation about that at halftime, right? Um there was a 9-0 run to close the first quarter, or not, clo- not close the second. It was the second quarter, and it was not to close it, because Ayton did come back for the final one minute and 20 seconds. But Monty rode a lineup with Biombo in there with the starters for a while. Suns made a 9-0 to th- nine to nine run. There were a couple nice short roll passes by Biombo in that stretch, and obviously uh, some push-pace moments where those guys were able to get their threes going. Um, I'm not trying to blame everything on eight, and I'm not trying to pile on too, too much. This, I do think this was a poor game, but the big picture to to circle back to my original takeaway: the point of bringing these guys' struggles up and be a little bit negative in this segment is to say the sun showed tonight that if Kawhi continues to be hampered, and in game two they won with Kawhi being good, that they can win this series. They should win this series. They probably will win this series. We're looking further beyond that, right? You are, I am, everybody is. For the Suns to have any chance of making good on the fact that when they entered the Western Conference playoffs, they were the favorites to come out of the West, it cannot be the Booker and Durant show. You could talk about minutes for those guys continuing to be in the 40s, or you can just obviously point to the simple fact that no, no NBA team has ever won a championship with only two trustworthy, good-to-great players. That's not, it's just not going to happen. You look at Den- the way Denver's playing right now, I think you would say they have at least four. The Suns have two. Right now. They just need those guys to be better. For all the reasons I talked about, but also just for the simple mathematical concept that they need enough players. You can talk about depth all you want. Five through nine, five through eight on this Suns team. And that's already been a talking point. But if they don't have three and four firing on all cylinders, doing their job, filling their role, it doesn't even matter what five through eight do. It doesn't even matter what one and two do, I guess is the best way to put it. We'll talk about the Suns controlling the possession game with the box score oddity tonight, as well as a deep dive on the bench with our bench mob vibe check. Damian Lee will be a key factor in that chat that we're about to have. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, which I think is actually a pretty apt way to come off of the conversation we just had about Aiden and Paul. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Coming back here, 129-124, you've heard it three times now. Just got to keep telling you, it was a win. Let's keep it going. Let's keep the vibes high. Let's keep the good times rolling. Let's keep the good news, the good analysis, the good points, not the bad ones. Starting with the Suns' possession battle. They won it tonight, uh, which is a a rarity um, for them, period. But in this series especially, to do it is, is a really big win a really big victory in in the the chess match of this series because you know clippers decided they were going to go big going forward when they acquired mason plumley they did that for 38 of the 40 minutes in this game so even though there was some small ball they still played big for the majority plumley in particular i thought was a, a beast on the glass two offensive rebounds in 16 minutes but he got his hands on a ton of them So the Suns getting 15 offensive rebounds compared to just six for the Clippers is very, very good stuff. So that's one thing. It's one way to win the possession battle. The Suns also did it with free throws. Um, That's not exactly the possession game necessarily, although they also only had 13 turnovers to the Clippers' 18. That's fairly common. The Suns are not a high turnover team, so that's more uh, consistent with their usual performance. But... I would say the way that the free throw game does matter when it comes to possessions is if you're stopping the game to get to the line, odds are the opponent is not going to be able to run in transition. They're going to have to score in the half court rather than their fast break offense and all that trickle down happens. So the Suns get into the line 46 times, which is a little bit inflated because of the late game foul drawing and foul battle that, you know. They were up a few points. The Clippers had to keep fouling them to try to play that game. So I would say six to eight of those probably were coming from that. But the Clippers only attempted 25 free throws. So even if you take six to eight away, the Suns are still close to 40. And that's 15 more than the Clippers had. So kudos to Devin Booker. Kudos to Kevin. I think I said Kevin Booker there. Those two guys, whose names I just combined, because they combined for 18 of those free-throw attempts. Very, very very good stuff. And like I said, credit to Aiton. He got there too, with eight. I'm looking at the total possessions in this game. It was 104 for the Suns, 103 for the Clippers. That's pretty high for an NBA game, but obviously, you know, these are two good offenses, so that's somewhat to be expected that they're going to try to push the pace and score. Westbrook, Booker, those are guys that like to do that. But... Nevertheless, Suns did a good job keeping all of that stuff in check. And if they can do that and get the types of performances they're getting from their stars, I know I just get gave some downer stuff about uh, Paul and Ayton, but look, even with Kawhi Leonard, the Suns are going to have a very good shot to win these games if those trends continue. Let's talk about the bench, though. Ven- bench mob vibe check, as we always do here. The everydayers know it. Um, Damian Lee whose name I just blanked on there, 11 minutes, 8 points, hallelujah, somebody scored on a per minute basis very solidly in this game, I think they have to stick with him, 11 minutes to just 4 for Shamit, now again Cameron Payne was questionable and then did not play, so we'll see, I would guess at this point the Suns might not push it in game four for for Payne, and maybe they just say bring him back for a home game five and and give him a comfortable environment, but maybe they you know really try to go for the win in game four, and if Payne's ready, he should play. I don't know. Either way, if we're trending toward a return for Payne, I think Shamit, Shamit's value gets a little bit lessened anyway, because I do think one thing Monty likes about him is the ability that he has to handle the ball. When you have Booker and Durant, though, playing 40-plus minutes, there's just not really a lot of need for that either. Shamit has not been able to find open shots for himself. He missed a dunk in this game or had it blocked or whatever. He's had a couple of those run-out opportunities. That's about the only way his offense has come. He did take a three tonight, which has not even been the case in a lot of these other games. No assists, whatever. Yes, he has size defensively. He does tend to rotate properly and, and be reliable on defense, but... He's only 6'4". It's not like he's, you know, stopping guys out there or anything like that. Lee, on the other hand, was aggressive, took the threes. And honestly, the most telling thing to me is that in the fourth quarter, the flow of the offense kicked to him and he confidently took and made a three. That might sound like nothing, but as I was just talking about Landry Shamit, that's a big problem for him is the confidence to take shots in those big moments and not be a ball mover. Remember and know and internalize the fact that an open three for you is the best shot take it right and and i think lee just from the time with the warriors on a great team from the times earlier in this season developing the trust with these guys he's he knows what his role is if he's out there and he's open and the ball comes to him he's going to shoot the ball and he did that and so there were times in the regular season i don't want to over gloss over it where he also was subject to some hesitancy but he did it tonight if that's going to be if that's going to continue to be true then you got to keep playing him because I know that Shamit's a little more reliable defensively, but I just think Lee is fine, right? And it's like, at the end of the day, in this series in particular, and even if it's Denver in the next series, you know, you're talking about Lee is most likely going to be guarding the third or fourth best offensive player on the other side. How good is that guy really? You know, you're talking about Bones Highland or Terrence Mann or Eric Gordon. Like, Lee's not a, an incredible defender. He can hold up on those guys, right? In the next round, he can hold up on Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell Pope, whatever the case may be. He's going to be able to do that. And so if he's going to shoot and he's fine enough defensively and he's big enough, he's like six five. that sounds like all you need. I said all the way back when they traded Durant that I thought Lee had a role to play as just that fifth guy if they needed a floor spacing option. He did play with the starters quite a bit tonight. I could see that continuing. Okoge was great. I do want to give him a shout out. Five offensive rebounds, five free throw attempts. So that possession game stuff, he played a major role in. that. You were using him as a roller. He got a back cut again in this game. All the good stuff that we know from him. I don't think he's going to be one of five very often. And even if he is... Uh, I think he's still valuable because of all the other stuff that he does. So there's your bench mob vibe check. That was your box score oddity. That was your show. Everydayers, I will be back Monday. Unless any crazy news happens, game four is on Sunday. We'll be back to you right after that buzzer. You can hear that show Sunday evening or Monday morning. So hit follow or subscribe. Become an Everydayer if you are not already. Get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday to get locked onto your favorite team. Make it your first listen every day. You will never miss a thing about this team. I can guarantee you that. That'll wrap us up, though. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the basketball. Talk to you after game four. I'm excited. I hope you guys are. I hope you're not too down. This is fun. This is winning. This was a playoff win. Those are not to be taken for granted. All right. I'll catch you guys next week.